Welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show, where wealth includes much more than just money. It includes family, fitness, romance, and all the other parts of a balanced life. Listen and learn how 70% of the millionaires in America made their money using real estate. Now your host, real estate investor and consultant, Steve Davis. Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Um, this is Trevor Davis, not Steve, with the Wednesday radio show with Total Wealth Academy. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Something very, very interesting that came around, um, new news about keeping active. And we talked about this, it's literally over three months ago at this point, and maybe some of us with really, really good memories remember this radio show that I did where I talked about the benefits of staying active. But from the American Heart Organization and published in the Circulation Journal report, we find a new study finds the lowest risk of death was among adults who exercise 150 minutes to 600 minutes a week. Oh, and before I get ahead of myself, let me start off with the quote that we always start off with, which is from Albert Einstein, which is, the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. We are set in a certain habitual organization of behaviors and we can convince ourselves that what we're doing is right we can convince ourselves that what we're doing right now is all that we can do or our time has passed which i think is probably the worst thing that people can think is that their time has passed if you're still here you still have time if you're still here you still have the opportunity to do the things that are nagging at you that you want to do beyond just going day in and day out in survival mode. So keep that idea in mind as much as you possibly can that change is possible at any given moment. And sometimes it is just a change in your brain that gets you to take action on all of these other things. It could be a realization while you're at work while you're driving, while you're hanging out with your kids, your loved ones, it doesn't really matter when that paradigm shift occurs and that light bulb moment occurs, but something forms the catalyst that allows you to take different actions that are connected with different results, hopefully with the results that you truly want. Now back to the study with the Circulation Journal report. Now, why do we talk about fitness on the Total Wealth Academy radio show? Because as Tony Robbins says it the most clearly, you cannot be the richest person in the graveyard. If the body's out the door, everything else is out the door. If you are someone who is a billionaire, billion with a B as in boy, and you don't have a healthy body, you're probably not going to be the ideal life for most people once they really break it down and look at it in detail because money is not the singular object. It is certainly part of the object for most people. It's not the end-all be-all for the vast majority of people. But if you have that level of income or you have the comfortable income that you want and you're not taking care of your body, you're ultimately not going to have as much time to enjoy the fruits of your labor because an unhealthy body is more prone to disease and ends up dying more quickly. 
that is simply a scientific fact that cannot be disputed with all of the information that we have. Healthier bodies live longer. Unhealthier bodies live shorter lives. So if you are enjoying your time on this earth, as I hope you are, or you're in a position where you just want more time with your loved ones and kids, this is something that you're going to have to commit to yourself. The time that you're going to spend exercising is going to be repaid whenever it comes to your risk of mortality. So to go into the details of this report by the Circulation Journal, it was an analysis of over 100,000 people of a period of 30 years. And they were basically trying to figure out if there are any additional benefits to exercising more than what the U.S. government currently recommends. Now, on that previous radio show, I discussed the fact that currently our government recommends that you get two and a half hours of moderate intensity aerobic physical activity a week, which is any activity that pushes your heart rate to 50 to 70% of your max heart rate. Now, you can take half of that time, one hour and 15 minutes, and you can do vigorous physical activity, which is 75% to 80% of your maximum heart rate. The moderate is going to be something like brisk walking, swimming, jogging, and regular strength training, while vigorous is going to be full running, cycling 10 miles an hour plus, lap swimming in the pool, and vigorous higher intensity strength training with a specific goal to keep in mind of getting to that specific percentage of your max heart rate, 50 to 70 for moderate and 75 to 80% with vigorous. Now, when they were trying to figure out what's really to be controlled for and what's really to be set as the standard, they wanted to see what happened to people if they exercised past that point because we don't want to exercise too much either because as with almost everything it seems in life, there's a balance that you have to find to where maybe if you do exercise too much, you're not spending enough time with your loved ones. You're not spending enough time um, improving yourself outside of the physical world. You might not be reading enough. You might not actually getting the proper amount of rest that you need and you end up causing more harm than good. Now, when they looked at the people that work out more, they found that the people that worked out twice as much to four times as much, all the way up to four times as much of the recommended physical activity at 600 minutes, that's a full 10 hours a week doing moderate physical activity, these people with two to four times the activity have a 20% to 21% chance of dying less. Their risk of mortality is literally reduced 20%. Now, that's extremely significant because we're looking at a study that had over 100,000 people over 30 years across all starting age groups, across all racial groups, across all ethnicities in the United States to create this coherent proof that exercise is critical and central to maintaining a healthy body and maintaining health throughout life. So if you are going to do 
what is recommended, you're still going to get the greatest overall health benefits. And that's going to be right around two and a half hours a week of moderate physical activity because that health benefit is radically increased compared to the people that do not exercise at all. But for those of us that are exercising more, we're getting further benefits and longer lives and more time on this earth from the time that we commit to exercise. So this is the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Y'all, I'm Trevor Davis, and I'll see y'all after the break. Stay tuned. If you have money in an IRA, 401k, or other retirement account, you can use it to invest passively in real estate without tax or penalty. Our average rate of return is three times that of the stock market and mutual funds with much less volatility. If you have over $70,000, you can start passive investing today. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. the Total Wealth Academy radio show. We were just going over the specifics of a brand new study that has brought out some quite conclusive evidence for the benefits of remaining physically active. And the benefits for remaining physically active are shown not just in basically the long term to say that if I'm working out now as somebody in my teens and 20s, I'm only going to really see the benefits whenever I'm 60, 70, and 80. No, we're seeing the health benefits throughout life with better resting heart rates, um, lower levels of obesity, and therefore lower levels of mortality at every single age group. And of course, to me, the biggest plus with all of this is that as I continue to age, I'm going to be feeling more energy and more ability to remain physically active as I maintain my body through regular exercise. That, to me, is one of the biggest perks. I mean, to me, that's the biggest perk because I want to stay active doing the stuff that I that I do now, honestly. And if I decide that I want to do different things when I'm older, I want to have the ability to do so and not be restricted to sedentary activities alone. I want to have that freedom to be able to go out and do a hike, go out and play with my grandkids or great-grandkids or great-great-grandkids. We'll see what's going to happen as I get older because I want to stay as healthy as I possibly can. And of course, lots of things can happen. We understand that accidents are possible, but in light of the fact that I don't know what's going to happen, I'm going to prepare for the things that I do know for sure are going to happen, which is simply getting older and what's one of the best ways to make that as graceful of a process as possible, staying fit, staying healthy, and exercising on a regular basis. Now, I just said 20% when we talked about the lowered risk of mortality, but that's actually... a that's lower than what it actually was reported by the study. So let me let me show y'all exactly what the numbers were. The people that met the guidelines for rigorous physical activity by the government, so this is the base. This is the base test, effectively, for the people that are doing what the government recommends with rigorous physical activity. 
75 minutes a week, so one hour and 15 minutes. They had an overall 19% lower risk of death from all causes. The people that followed the guidelines for moderate physical activity, which is two and a half hours a week, had an overall 20 to 21% lower risk. So yeah, it hovers right around 20. And then the people that were working out two to four times above with the rigorous physical approach had an overall 21 to 23% lower risk. And then the highest reduction was from the people that did two to four times the moderate physical activity per week, having an overall 26 to 31% lower risk of mortality from all causes. So almost a one out of three reduction in their chance of mortality, their chance of dying, just from the physical activity. This study of these 100,000 people made no account for their diet. Once you start factoring in diet and you start accounting for the healthier diets, of course, you're going to see further health improvements. But this is strictly the physical activity. And the biggest plus to me, whenever we talk about too much or too little, but one specific sentence says, no harmful cardiovascular health effects were found among the adults who reported to engage in more than four times the recommended activity levels. So even the people that are hyperactive and working out for hours and hours and hours each week, and this could include bodybuilders as an example, they're not getting any danger so far just from the physical activity itself. So it seems like our hearts love the exercise. seems like that's what they were made to do. And of course, that's what the heart was made to do, pump blood throughout our bodies and make sure it can still do that during periods of intense physical activity and go back down to the resting heart rate when that physical activity has stopped. So just like we discuss so much with reading, keeping your brain active, your heart wants to stay active as well. And it's almost a little bit counterintuitive to common sense, I feel, because whenever we say we're putting our heart in exercise, we're making it work harder. And whenever we think about something like a machine, like a car working harder, that's something that puts more wear on that machine. And we see that in anything, too. Like if we're using a tool, if we use a tool harder, it's probably going to wear out faster. But the human body is not just a static machine. It's something that's constantly changing, and above all, it's organic. It's able to heal itself, improve itself, if there's something you want to look into, there's a neuroplasticity in the brain that is being researched more and more that seems to indicate that we're able to change more than we believe as we get older than less. It's like our brains have this sense of certain things that are permanently imprinted, some things that are very temporarily imprinted, and then a lot of things in the middle that can be changed and can be changed deliberately by us and our brains are capable of changing all the time. So ultimately, the heart wants exercise. It craves exercise. By making the body push blood through it in a more intense fashion, you're clearing out 
clots, you're clearing out plaque, you're clearing out buildups. It's getting the flow of your circulatory system functioning better. And that's one of the biggest reasons why doing physical activity is so healthy for you and so important. Now, of course, I can't really get away with this show without giving an update on the stock market in case you are invested in the stock market, and especially with one of the leading ads going to the show. But if we're in a transition, sure, but we're heading to a down market. That's our transition right now. So we're not in a down market quite yet, but we're heading to it. So I am going to keep saying this on every single radio show, but the stock market is continuing to go down. Now, last week, Dow Jones was at negative 12.41%. Year-to-date, S&P negative 16.71, and NASDAQ negative 24.94 year-to-date. After one week, all three of these stock indices are down. We're down 12.59 in Dow, down 17.03 in S&P, and down 25.94% in NASDAQ. So we are continuing to see losses in the stock market. And of course, with long-term stockholders, you're looking at the 7% that you're hopefully going to get once inflation is normally accounted for because normally it's a 10% rate of return. But there's a big, huge problem whenever we're dealing with inflation at the same time that is significantly elevated than normal inflation rates. When our inflation right now is 9.1%, if you're trying to get a 10% rate of return in your stocks, then this is going to mean you're going to be averaging the 0.9%. That's not what most people are looking to get out of their money by any stretch of the imagination. If you're going to let your money sit in a bank account, you're going to get a puny little amount of interest on your money from the bank. And that basically never covers inflation to begin with even at normal inflation rates of 3 to 4%, because they're not giving you 4 or 5% or a little over those 3 and 4%, so you're actually making real money on the quote-unquote investment of a savings account. Savings accounts are not investments, period. This is simply a place for you to store your money safely and for it to be insured by the FDIC, So if some crazy funny business happens and someone hacks your account and all the money's taken away and you can show that and it's proven through the investigation that they have to do, you know, you get your money back. That's the point of a bank account and a savings account first and foremost is safety and preserving your savings. Now, that's not an investment when you're not going to be making something that beats inflation. So now more than ever during periods of high inflation, if you want your money to increase in total value, you have to put it investments that beat inflation. That 10% that we talk about in the stock market is the overall that you look at over years and years and years and decades. And when we hack off the normal inflation, you're getting the 6 to 7%. Not a whole lot, but a whole lot better than nothing, as long as you're willing to deal with the ups and downs of the market. The people I meet are sick and tired of dealing with the stock market because having to worry about this transition, as they're 
trying to make it sound better is going to go into a down market. That's literally what is happening right now. It doesn't matter what you believe in. It doesn't matter what you're going to try and pray for. This is something that is going to happen whether you like it or not. A down market comes just as assuredly as an up market. So we know that if the down market comes, it will. There will be a high market as well, and we'll be here in the next couple of years as well. It's always going up and down. And everybody should know that it's inevitable to have both cycles of the stock market. But choosing to put all your money in the stock market to deal with the stress of the down market and the coming down market is not worth it for the vast majority of people. Uh, Once we get back, folks, um, we will continue discussing the fitness aspect in the stock market. This is Total Wealth Academy with Trevor Davis. Stay tuned. The stock market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You'll get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That is TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the Total Wealth Academy Wednesday radio show with me, Trevor Davis, Wealth Coach at Total Wealth Academy. If you have any questions, give us a call at 281-558-5738, 281-558-5738. All you have to do is pick up your phone, dial the number, you will be connected to me, and we can talk, get your questions answered. If you want to go over real estate, if you have a question about something that you're dealing with, if you have any questions about what I'm going on on the show, It is fair game. Happy to discuss it with you over the air. And if you want to ask this via email, you can send me an email, trevor at totalwealthacademy.com. Trevor, T-R-E, V as in Victor, O-R, at totalwealth.com. Now, with the stock market and as our new little middle of the show girl says, 7% is the average, 75 years This is indeed correct, and that's with the average inflation, though, of 3 to 4% being accounted for. The big problem here, of course, is that the inflation right now is so high, that's the main reason why people are losing their minds over inflation, and that's why the Fed is doing its best to try and prevent severe inflation from happening. You don't want too much inflation You don't want no inflation because if you have no inflation or if you have deflation, that means people's money sitting in banks doing nothing, not being invested into the economy is making more money and getting more value. And that ultimately causes some of the worst economic stagnations imaginable. You want a little bit of inflation to make sure that people are having basically the stick at the back to push them towards the carrot of positive investing rates of return, which in turn creates jobs, which in turn moves the entire economy. There's a lot to deal with there, a lot to unpack the macroeconomic scale, and I'm sure a professional economist could give us way more insight as to why that's so important. 
But yes, a little bit of inflation is necessary, but a lot of inflation is not good. Very, very bad. Now, the other side that I wanted to highlight with our fitness is sitting. There's been a lot of talk about sitting these days because sitting is associated with bad health outcomes. The positive side, though, is that it's not just sitting that's the bad thing. It's really the associations that come with excessive sitting. To sit for an hour or two is not going to harm you, assuming that you're getting enough physical exercise to really make up the difference. And it's kind of to say that, yeah, sitting is not per se good. It doesn't really have any health benefits in and of itself. And sitting too long is bad. So we can kind of reach a conclusion that we want to minimize our sitting and maximize the amount of physical activity that we're doing. So we're keeping ourselves active and we're not getting bad health outcomes just from the sitting. But from the Mayo Clinic, which is www.myoclinic.org, what are the risks of sitting too much? Question answered by Edward R. Laskowski, medical doctor. And he took an analysis of 13 studies of sitting time with activity levels. And what happened was that those who sat for more than eight hours a day with no physical activity had a risk of dying similar to that posed by obesity on its own or smoking on its own, regular obesity or regular consumption of cigarettes. Sitting eight hours a day was associated with as much health um, disadvantages as either of those activities, which at this point everybody knows are dangerous Everybody knows we need to avoid those two things as much as possible, but sitting on your behind for eight hours a day or more, a third of your day, without any physical activity is extremely bad. So this is a connection to people that especially don't have physical activity but may not be overweight. If somebody is quote-unquote skinny and they're sitting eight hours or more a day, they might as well be smoking cigarettes or they might as well be obese. So we have to make sure that we're staying active and not sitting enough. And it just basically, it's just another risk thing that should push you towards staying active because you can't really be active sitting down. You have to be on your feet, running, jogging, doing yoga, lifting weights. It's something that, really removes the risk of sitting in and of itself for the vast majority of people. Now, something I want to clear up by reading this article is I've heard recently that there's an association in and of itself of sitting, and I've heard some people say that every minute of sitting takes off three or four or five minutes of your life, and I could not find a reputable website or a reputable source that verified that statistic. Now, maybe somebody on their own, not a professional, sort of did a little calculation based on the numbers from those 13 studies I just mentioned to get an estimate for that, 
And because that sounds juicy, that sounds newsworthy, it sounds like clickbait, that's the one that gets viral, that's the one that transfers around, and it's somewhat accurate, like most clickbait and viral information is, but it's not the full picture or it lacks context to make it make the most accurate sense. So even though I couldn't find something that directly proved that, what we saw was that if you are sitting, there are ways to negate it with basically a proportional level of physical activity or doing something like taking a break from sitting every 30 minutes. But effectively, just the 60 to 75 minutes What they recommended here is that you get 60 minutes to 75 minutes a day to counter the effects of too much sitting, which ends up getting you that five hours to seven hours a week of high levels of physical activity, which to me indicates that too much sitting is actually pretty risky because to negate too much sitting, the eight hours, you have to have an hour or more a day of physical activity. And maybe that's doable for some people, but I think if we're able to balance some of that here and do something like get up every 30 minutes, walk around, that's going to be better in the long term, and that's going to give us less downsides from sitting excessively and also prevent us from having to work out that much. I mean, for me, I work out about three to four hours a week total, and That's what works best for me on my schedule to get the moderate to rigorous physical strength training that I enjoy and have the most fun with. Now, one thing I did just order today, as a matter of fact, that after hearing about this and really getting to the bottom of what sitting has to offer for people, the risks that it has to offer, is I ordered a standing desk, basically converter which is going to be a platform that lets you put your screens on it and your keyboard, lets you raise it up on top of your desk and allows you to stand and do your work from there. So I'm hopefully going to get some health benefits from this. That's what I'm hoping for. And quite frankly, I'm tired of sitting in my office. I do a lot of work at home from my computer too. So it's a lot of sitting for me on a daily basis right now. I'm probably at that eight hours on most days. So that's kind of where I was like, okay, I do need to spring for this. I do need to go ahead and get this. So during my regular working hours, I'm able to spend most of my time standing. And that in and of itself is going to cut off that eight hours a day right there because I don't have a problem standing either. I prefer it. So... Let's make sure to focus on the physical activity, not only because of the reduced risk of death, but also because sitting is not good. We want to avoid sitting as well because there are risks associated with that. But sometimes at the end of the day, if we want to do our relaxing activities, it's not to say that those are all bad either. So let's not make it too complicated. Get your recommended physical amount of activity during the week two and a half hours of moderate intensity activity, regular strength training, brisk walking counts as well. Really, anything that gets you on your feet and getting a good heart rate going, that's going to be something that will provide you with rich health benefits for your entire life. Now, I hope that was something fun to chew on today. 
Next thing I want to go into is discussing some of the things that are holding us back from making some of the most effective decisions that we have to approach. And there's a story that I've been telling people during my sample classes, and it's the monster in the room story. Now, most of the people I know growing up had a monster in their room as a kid. And of course, we're talking about fear. And when I was a kid, as a little kid with a little bladder, I would need to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night almost every single night, no matter how much or how little I ended up drinking before bed, it seemed. It was very, very frustrating for me because it seemed like I could not control that. If I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I didn't have a whole lot of options because I thought there was a monster there. Um, Once we get back, y'all, I'm going to go over the rest of this monster story and why fear does not change as much as we think when we become adults. Stay tuned. joke. When is the best time to buy real estate? 20 years ago. When is the second best time? Today. And this is truer than ever with the impending recession and the correction that's going on right now. Real estate investors are going to make millions of dollars in the next few years because of the recession. You should take advantage of it as well. To find out how, please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. TotalWealthAcademy.com. Just click on the free sample class button. Thank you. Welcome back, y'all. Final segment of today's show with the Total Wealth Academy radio show. This is Trevor Davis, Wealth Coach at TWA. Last opportunity, if you want to call in and chat, 281-558-5738 or send me an email, trevor at totalwealthacademy.com. Either way, I will get your question answered. Now, we were just talking about my fear story, which is growing up, had a monster in my room. Like most people I've ever met in my life, in some way, shape, or form, we were scared of something either in our room or in the bathroom or in the hallway, wherever, that would cause us to behave in a certain way. The behavior that my monster gave me was I could not get out of bed in the middle of the night because I thought that the monster could be anywhere in my room, could be under the bed, could be in the closet could be hiding behind something, could be right out the door, and I would not get out of bed in the middle of the night even if I had to go to the bathroom as badly as humanly imaginable. So as a little kid, I grinned and bared it as best as I could, tried to go back to sleep, suffered through the night, woke up, and felt like I was going to explode by the time I was able to go. The problem here is that this monster was controlling my behavior. This monster was preventing me from taking action on something that was going to objectively make me feel better, objectively something that I needed to do. Was that monster ever real? The answer, of course, is no. Because as adults who have lived through that, who have many of us who have raised children who've gone through that, We know the monster is not real. 
but for some reason, this monster controlled the behavior of these people. Young as they are, this monster controlled their behavior. The biggest problem here is that as we get older, fear does not go away. The real monster is not the monster. The real monster is the fear itself. If we're going to get older and allow other things to become the monster, we're going to have our actions controlled and we're going to behave in ways that are not conducive to a free mind embracing a free society. In my opinion, that's not to take advantage of the unique opportunity that we have in this country. You're going to put yourself in mental jail because you're stuck on something that's preventing you from taking action. A fear that is irrational or may seem rational to you. And to me, that is the most dangerous kind of rationality because if you're, a, if you're somebody who's considered a smart cookie, one of the biggest risks of that is that you've got the most powerful validations and excuses out of anybody out there. If you're the smartest person in the room, you've probably got the worst excuses for somebody to try and get over to take action on something. Yeah, there are certain disadvantages to being the smartest cookie in the room. You have to be very, very cautious and understand that just because you're able to make a logical pathway to a conclusion in your own mind does not necessarily mean that it's connected to reality itself. Now, we know the monster wasn't real, but fear as an adult becomes things like what I started the show off with. I don't have time to take action. I don't have any more opportunities. I'm too old. I don't have the physical ability to do so. Someone was mean to me when I was younger or someone is mean to me recently that discouraged me and I couldn't deal with that for the rest of the day so I didn't take action that day when I wanted to and then the next day I didn't get that motivation again and then next day comes and there's no motivation for it and so on and so forth and then years go down the line. There are a ton of different things that people get stuck on fear-wise. There's actually more things people get stuck on fear-wise as adults than kids. Talk about the finances as well, being that a lot of people will focus on the millionaires and billionaires and how they're going to be rigging the game in their favor. That's not something that's going to affect every single person and it's probably not going to be something that prevents you from building wealth yourself. And if that's something that you want to address at the top, it's probably a bridge you're going to have to cross once you get there if you decide to run for office and do something about it, if you believe in that. But you have to at least identify the fact that the results that you're getting are from not only the actions you've taken, but from the fears that you've held to your heart so far. Everybody has got something that's holding them back. Everybody's got something that they are afraid of. I am no exception to that. And nobody at Total Wealth Academy is an exception to that. What happens though, is that with fear and the fact that everybody has it, 
people are able to get themselves in different ways to take action nonetheless. It's called being brave, but getting brave means educating yourself to a point where if something doesn't make sense, if something is not connecting in your head, or if something seems fearful and making you afraid, chances are it's because it's not understood correctly. Understanding is something that reduces fear because fear is often just a misunderstanding blown out of proportion and we attach the fear response to it so we make sure that we avoid it and avoid the potential danger that could come to it from it, you know, whether it's really there or or not. We're trying to avoid pain. And as Tony Robbins highlights, people will typically do something three times as much to avoid pain than to gain something enjoyable. So we're very, very, very extremely averse to pain. And I don't have all the time left today to explain this part, but here goes. I think it's very, very clear to me that human beings are taking account of the negative stuff way more than they take account of the positive stuff that happens to them throughout life. We're basically attaching three points or five points or maybe even ten points to every negative thing that happens, big or small, and one point, half a point, a quarter of a point, or one percentage of a point to every positive thing that happens. And then by the time we're done accounting and we become adults, we have this overall impression of life that's negative. Clearly not because the vast amount of experience is negative, but because our interpretation of it has become so skewed because of our skewed perception of the negative outcomes, which are inevitable, but we're not really giving a fair treatment to the positive things that happen. And if we decided to give the same amount of stock to a positive event and a bad event, and somehow had them proportionally identified, it seems like the vast majority of people would be in a very good place and definitely not in a negative place. So I'd be interested to see how we're able to adjust some of that psychology moving forward. And that's probably one of the biggest reasons why there's so much much anguish out there in terms of our own mental health. We're just not able to give as much stock to the positive events as we are the negative. I mean, if you're going over to visit your kids and they have a great time, you have a great time, then you come home and someone cuts you off on the road or someone almost hits you on the road, what's the thing you end up talking about for the rest of the evening? Probably the accident you almost got into. I mean, I guarantee that's what most of us are going to do instead of being like, well, there that almost happened, but we're safe. You okay? Everybody's okay? All right, anyway, back to talking about the fun stuff that happened. That's something that I've been thinking about recently, and I'm really, really working to stay conscious of when positive things and negative things happen, as they both inevitably do. It's like, just as inevitable as a down market and an up market, we know that the bad stuff is going to happen, but why doesn't everybody emphasize the fact that, well, good stuff is going to happen too? and typically in greater numbers and greater greater quality overall so
hopefully that's helpful, y'all. I really, really think that we have a lot to discuss on that topic moving forward. But take fair stock of the positive things that are happening in your life. Do not over-account for the negative things that overall happen. Don't get yourself into a mental state where you have a very cynical worldview, you have a calloused worldview, a jaded worldview, and there's a book by Gary John Bishop, and I think everybody knows it, but it's got a very foul word in it, so I won't say it over the air, but Gary John Bishop's book just talks about Think about the people that were raised in a similar situation as you that ended up in a completely different position than you with different attitudes. Ultimately, so much is dependent on the way that you perceive what happens in your life and not just what happens to you in life. So thank you all so much for tuning in this week, folks. This is Trevor Davis with the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'll be back on the air next Wednesday at 1 p.m. and I hope to see you all there. Take care and enjoy the rest of your week. You've been listening to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Please remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investing advice. Always get a professional opinion before making any investment decisions. To find out more about coaching and consulting at Total Wealth Academy, visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend one of our free sample classes on real estate investing. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.